0: You are listening to the Living Way Church Podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. But obviously, the preacher doesn't save you. The water doesn't save you. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. And, and in the second passage, in that passage where he says, Go into all the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. Uh, the second thing, Jesus is saying that baptism is not an option. This is not something you get to kind of opt out of if you want to. Um, this is a command. Go. Make disciples, baptizing them. This is a command that is equal to telling others about Jesus and becoming a disciple and growing in Jesus. Um, Jesus said it is proper, even Jesus submitted to, because it's proper to fulfill all righteousness. That's what Jesus said at his baptism. Baptism is a humble act of obedience. Some of you guys are like, man, that's just weird. You know, it's just weird kind of being wet in front of everybody and being the only person in there, maybe a couple other minister type people. And you're like, it's just weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's meant to be weird. It's meant to be humbling. It's meant to be unique and powerful. It's not optional, even though it's weird and and strange and odd. Uh, Jesus said, I know you are my disciple, if you obey me, this is one of those things. Jesus said, do this. And if you are intentionally not doing what God has said, then you're in disobedience and that's called what? It's called sin. So if you are a Christian, and you have not been baptized, and you know that God says you are to be baptized, and yet you do not choose to allow yourself to be baptized, that is a sin. And as long as you choose not to be baptized, then you are technically living in disobedience to God. All right? So this is one of those things that God didn't say, make disciples and whenever they're ready, whenever they're comfortable, whenever they're up to, it, whenever they're you know, feeling like they're, they're ready, then baptize them. It's no, It's like you become a disciple, you follow through in baptism, all right? And then he also says this. He's saying that he's given a common practice and new meaning. You know, baptism is nothing new. Actually, show this slide right here. Baptism is is something that happens. um, Go ahead and show the next one. Baptism is something that happens all over the world. Did you know that there is baptism in many different religions? Almost in every religion, there is a form of baptism where water is a symbol of cleansing and purity uh, to different deities and gods and beings. So when Jesus began to implement baptism, it wasn't something new that he was incorporating, but he was giving something that was common practice, a new meaning. He was giving something that was a common practice, a new meaning. Meaning, he was saying that before it meant you know submission to a deity, a god. It meant our efforts to try to work out our own salvation. But he says this baptism will separate you from other baptism. Go take a look at the next slide. When we are baptized, it changes the whole direction. It, it, it preaches a message. It identifies us in Christ. I like to put it this way, and and I say this all the time. Like, um, does this ring make me married? It does, does this ring make me married? We exchange rings, right? I'm still married even if I leave my ring at home by accident sometimes, right? If I set it there and I, you know, it's just bugging me, I'm still married. I'm still married. She's still my wife. Because we made a... a covenant with each other, a commitment to each other, and and we are connected uh, before God and friends. It is a decision that is binding uh, as long as we both shall live. And whether I wear my ring or not, I'm married. But what the ring does, it tells the world that I'm married. It tells the world that I have a wife. Rings declare publicly that you belong to someone. Likewise, baptism is a public transaction. And in the same respect, you know, when my girls were little, they, they used to uh, dress up, uh, you know, in, in old wedding uh, dresses, and they used to play, and they used to put rings on, and they used to pretend that they were married. Does that mean that they're married? If your little child uh, decides to pretend to have a wedding, uh, thank the Lord they're not really married, right, when they marry the neighborhood boy, right, the kid next door. Has right? that ever happened, anybody? You, like, you ever have a daughter come in and say, I just married the neighbor? Does that ever happen? <laughs> Wait till you have kids, it will happen. It happens, kids, this little girl's getting married to neighborhood boys all the time, and they'll put a ring on, does that mean they're married? No, you know, baptism, you could go through the motion, you could go through the symbol, you could get dunked. And that doesn't even mean that you are a Christian because baptism is a response to something that happens inside. It's not an external thing that changes you on the inside. Here's the next thing that Jesus says in this passage. He says that baptism is meant to be a public declaration. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them. This is something that we do outward. It's an outward physical picture of, a, of an inward spiritual baptism by the Holy Spirit, an outward picture of an inward reality. When we are baptized, we're, it's an outward expression. Some people are like, well, my faith is a personal thing. Well, not in the Bible. If your faith is a personal thing, then you're not, you're not understanding really what the Bible says. We are to be livers of the gospel in human form, in human flesh. We have the hands and feet of God, and our life is to reflect the faith that we have. Baptism is the, is the primary declaration of that faith. It's an outward expression. It is public. In fact, it's going public. Water baptism is not a means of salvation nor is it a necessity for salvation. It is simply a testimony of our salvation. You might say it's a pledge of allegiance to God. It is a believer obeying God's command, following his salvation, a pledge of allegiance that's public. It identifies you with the church and as a follower of Christ. Jesus is saying, if you've given your life to me, you are to be baptized into a new family. No matter your background, I love this. No matter your background, no matter your culture, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your financial status or how threatening or how humbling it is, when we're baptized, we're all baptized into one family. That's what's powerful about it. It puts us all equal. So let's talk about going public for a second. These are like the big uh, six questions that people ask about baptism. Um, The most powerful, most often overlooked and uh, command in the Bible, but it's, it is the clearest one of all. So let's talk about this. this. This is what separates the tire kickers from the buyers, the CIA Christians from the true believers. If I claim to be a Cowboys fan, but I told you it was a private deal, you know, if it was a private thing when it comes to football season, you might wonder, well, when am I going to tell others that I love the Cowboys? Uh, many say I love Jesus and they go to church and they say it's a private matter. I think God would say, when are you going public? So here's the top six questions about going public. Question number one should babies be baptized? Depending on your background, maybe if you're Catholic or, or if you're from a, a Lutheran or a Presbyterian or even Methodist, uh, Evangelical, um, uh, you know, there's just a, a lot of denominations that do infant baptism. Should a Bible, uh, does the Bible say that babies should be baptized? There are godly men and women who fall into uh, both views of yes and no. Uh, our position is no. We do not believe that babies should be baptized because in the Bible, all recorded baptisms in the scripture are to those who have mindfully turned to Christ for forgiveness and they were then baptized. They made a decision and then they were baptized in every occurrence of baptism. There's not one example of infant baptism in the Bible. There's not one. But yet we read over and over again, like in Acts 2.41, those who believed and accepted his message were baptized. Acts 8.12-13 says that when they believed Philip as he preached the good news in the name of Christ, they were baptized. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Acts 8, it says, believe and be baptized. A great baptism story is in Acts 8. Now, all through scripture, the Bible says that baptism follows a conscious decision. An infant cannot have that conscious decision. An infant does not make that choice. Uh, that sometimes when a Bible, uh, sorry, when, when a baby is baptized, it's, it's the parent's choice. All right, so here's this next question. We, do, we don't do infant baptisms, but we do strongly believe in baby dedication, So many of you have had your baby uh, brought up here and we pray for your baby that they would meet Christ at the earliest, most possible age and, and that when they're old enough to understand Jesus, they become a follower and respond to that in baptism. So we do not baptize babies, we do dedicate babies, however. Next question is this, does baptism have the power to save you? We talked about this earlier. Is there some sort of supernatural cleansing power in the water? Uh, Does does, uh, cleansing happen in the water and it's a big no? Luke 23, 43, Jesus on the cross. Maybe you guys know the story. There was two thieves next to Jesus and one of them cried out in repentance to Jesus on the cross, right? There was Jesus in the middle and a thief on each side. One of the thieves said, called out to repentance to God. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you wanna be a follower of mine? come here, let's go baptize you. You know, he doesn't pull himself off the cross and yank this guy off the cross. You know what he says to him on the cross? After this man calls out to him, Jesus says, truly this day, I'll see you in paradise. When he responded in humility to the cross of Christ and humbled himself before Jesus, Jesus' response was, I'll see you in paradise, my friend. So baptism over and over again is not the means of salvation Ever. If you say you're a Christian, however, but, and you will not follow him in obedience, in this area, I might wonder and ask for you to look in the mirror and search your heart to see if you truly are a Christian. Now, you might wonder, why is it not emphasized as much anymore? Um, there's a part in American history called the Great Awakening. We had several Great Awakenings in the United States. That's revivals that happened in America. And in the first Great Awakening, something brand new was introduced to American culture. And you know, it was called called the altar call. You guys know what an altar call is? An altar call is when the preacher comes up and he says, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, come down to the front, make a public declaration of that, come down to the front. They lead people in in prayer and they're saved and then they go back and, and that's their public declaration. Well, that public declaration is fine, but that's not a substitute for baptism, which is your true public declaration. But what happens is a lot of people, they raise their hand, they walk an aisle, they stand to the front, they say a prayer, they sign a card, they join a church and think that's my public declaration. No, it's not. That's not what brings you into the body of Christ. Baptism brings you into the body of Christ. That is your public declaration. You might be wondering what's holding you back spiritually. It might be a sin, it might be a habit, it might be pride. But for some of you, you know what's holding you back? It's your disobedience in baptism. Here's the fourth question, how should I be baptized? What does the Bible say about it? Should I sprinkle, should I pour, should I dunk? The word baptized means to dunk or to immerse. Turn to your neighbor and say, to immerse. To immerse or to dunk. And I'm not talking about basketball, I'm not talking about a slam dunk, even though baptism is a slam dunk for your faith. uh, Baptism means, does not mean to sprinkle. Baptism, the word means dunk or to immerse or cover there's not one reference to sprinkling in the Bible. There's not one. The biblical model in the Bible is and always has been total immersion. I'm gonna tell you why. Because Christ, number one, was baptized that way, okay? And he set the model. And because every baptism in the Bible was by immersion and it has a greater meaning, which we're gonna talk about in a minute. Many of you have been sprinkled as a child or as an infant. Maybe you grew up in a church where you were confirmed at a certain age and you had some water poured on your head or some some sprinkle holy water, you know, spritzed on your face. and uh, And you're like, that was my baptism. I want to encourage you to follow the biblical model of baptism and to be baptized by immersion. The only model in the scripture, the only example we have of this is total immersion from the scripture. And I'm not, applying, I'm not implying that your baptism didn't take or didn't mean. I'm not trying to cut down your background. I'm challenging you to examine baptism according to scripture. And it, maybe you were raised in a church where that was the thing. And, and since, you, you, you've, since then, you've really stepped out in faith in, in your walk with God. I want to encourage you to prayerfully think about being baptized in, with immersion on August 11th with us. Baptism is saying, I've been buried with Christ. I mean, uh, I'm going to come back to this. All right. So, some of say, Why do we sprinkle? Take a look at this next slide. There's what's known as effusion and aspersion. Uh, as fusion is when water is poured on your head. And a lot of denominations do that. You know, they'll stick a baby in there and they'll just pour it on their head, maybe a little, a little dish that looks like a shell or something or a holy goblet or something. They pour it on your head. That's its fusion. And then there's aspersion, and that's more of a sprinkle. That's where they dip it in water and they sprinkle it on you or they hold it over you and they, they spritz it on you. That's, and then some of the other uh, older denominations, like the Orthodox Church, they will actually immerse a baby. They'll take a baby and put a baby completely underwater. And they'll dunk it three times for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a whole baby. If you've ever seen videos of Babels being immersed, it is creepy, weird. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's like, it scares me to see this baby like like this. And uh, the baby doesn't know anything. I guess it's equivalent to us giving him shots or something. But um, that's a model that is still practiced today. And I apologize for saying that's weird. I should not have said that. Um, Where did it come from? Why do people do these things? Where do these come from? Well, uh, there are three reasons why these practices began to be uh, practiced in churches and and where they came from. There's three teachings that are not in the Bible that began to be preached uh, early on. And the first one is the doctrine of infant sin. Infant sin is that, uh, yes, we are born in sin. We were born in total depravity. However, um, the doctrine of infant sin is, says that if a baby dies, they go to hell, and so the, that the baby is accountable for sin, even though they're not conscious of their sin. And, and if the child dies or the baby dies, they don't go to heaven. So, uh, you know, about 200 years after Jesus, they started immersing babies. They started baptizing babies and immersing them. And as some of them were getting sick and dying, and as the water was, was corrupt, and they began to, uh, fat- the, the infant fatality rate was, was skyrocketing, they began to transition from immersion into sprinkle, into refer into the sprinkle or the pour. Another reason why they do this is baptism saves you. We do not believe that baptism saves you, but if they believe that a child, a, a baby will be, uh, if, if they die and go to hell uh, because they're sinful, then, then we need to baptize them because baptism will save them. So they would baptize a baby. Again, see how they work together. And then there's regeneration of infants. This teaching basically teaches that infants are immersed. uh, Some began to be drowned. Some got sick. And as the shortage of water began, uh, adults began to soon follow in action with sprinkling and pouring. Where do these come from? Not the Bible. These are church teachings over the years that are not found in the Bible. And so we do not follow any of them. And if that's something that you have practiced or believed in as you grew up. Uh, I will respect your background and I'm just glad that you're here today, but I want to encourage and challenge you to follow the, bottle, uh, the Bible's model of baptism. In scripture, some decided to even be rebaptized by immersion. We have this in Acts 19 where you have one of the disciples coming to a village and a group of people have been baptized. They're followers of Jesus, but they were baptized under John where baptism meant something different. And so he challenged them, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And, and, and so, you know what they did? They were rebaptized. Some of you, you need to be rebaptized now that you have a better understanding of what it means. Okay? Here's the fifth question Why does Jesus want us to be baptized? And this is the big one. What it means now. Remember, he took a, a common practice and gave it a new meaning. This is why we are baptized. And I want you to follow on, because it's kind of the heart of the message here. Is this the water represents cleansing, the cleansing power of God. Cleansing waters, it means that I am forgiven. I am forgiven. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it represents a spiritual cleansing. In Matthew 3:11, uh, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, Acts 22. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name, it's the next slide for this, is the idea is we are baptized because it represents the cleansing power of God to forgive us of our sin. So when you're baptized, you're saying, I'm forgiven. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? Aren't you glad, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you said, no matter where your feet have taken you, no matter what your hands have, have done, and no matter uh, the things that you have done to others or the things that have been done to you that you participated in, it doesn't matter. The cleansing water of Jesus is this, is his blood. But I tell you, when we get in that water, we're telling everybody, I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. I am free. I'm washed. It represents the victory over your sin, and it's powerful. That's why it's in water. Repentance means a reverse. It means it's like washing our hands to make them clean again. Baptism is a picture of a washing. Here's another thing it means. It means that we are buried with Christ, and that means that I'm learning to die to myself. I'm learning to die to myself. See, when you are standing in the water... It's the cleansing water of Jesus. When you go into the water, that means like Jesus died, so we die to ourselves. So we go underwater and we're saying, just like Jesus was buried, I'm buried with him. That's why we don't sprinkle. I mean, if I wanted to bury this stool, I don't throw some dirt on it. I don't pour a little pile on it and I don't you know, sprinkle some dust or dirt on it. No, I dig a hole and I put it in the ground and I cover it. It's immersed in the ground if I were to bury it. Baptism says I'm buried with Christ. So we go all the way under. It's not scary, I promise. It's powerful. It's, it's freeing. We go all the way under because it says I'm learning to die to myself. Paul says this in Colossians 2.12. He says, in Christ, I've been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. I've been buried with him in baptism. Which leads to the next thing. We come out of the water. I don't leave you in the water. You come out of the water because Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He came out of the grave. So baptism says, I'm raised to walk in newness of life. That's the next one. We're raised with Christ. And it's saying that I'm pursuing a new way of living in Christ it says this in Romans 6, 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we might raise to, be walk in, to, to walk in newness of life. See, when we go into the water, we're saying, Jesus, you died for my sins and I'm learning to die to myself. And when we come out of the water, we're saying, Jesus, you rose from the grave and you gave me new life and now I'm raised to walk in a new life. It's a picture. It preaches. Your baptism is a sermon to everybody. It says, I'm forgiven. It says, I'm learning to die to myself. It says, I'm raised to walk in a new way of life. And then I love this next one. We're baptized into a family. And it means this. It means I am not alone. I'm not alone. It identifies us as a Christian. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we're all given one spirit to drink. Baptism is a family thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when you're baptized, it's like you know, there are, there are people all around the world that give their life to Christ in India and in Africa and in China and in South America. And you know what true Christians do all around the world? They follow the Lord in baptism. And when we're baptized, we're baptized into a family. You've got family. You never have to be alone. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter if your parents ever left you, abandoned you, or you, uh, an ex left you, or you feel alone right now and you're in a room full of people, you don't have to be alone because when you're when you when you follow through in baptism you're saying i don't have to be alone cuz i have a family i have the family called the family of god the family of christ and that's one of the unifying and i love how it says it doesn't matter who you are what nationality you are what background you are what financial status you are we're all family now that's what i love about the church that's what i love about our youth group you come into our youth group and you're going to have like some popular kid at school hanging out with maybe a kid that's not so popular at school. You're going to have an athlete who's in school hanging out with maybe a guy who just loves computers and not so athletic because we're family. We come into a church, the same thing. The people you may not have a commonality or some kind of connection with, all of a sudden we have a common bond. You know what it is? We're family. We're baptized into a family. It's kind of like, I don't want to say it's our initiation, but it's, it's kind of like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to follow Jesus on this. And you look, have you been baptized? You should because it, make, it means that we're family. It's, it's a picture that I'm not ever going to be alone. You know, if a guy doesn't wear a wedding ring, you might assume he's not married. In the New Testament, a person that was not baptized was assumed not to be a believer. And that is why some denominations connect baptism to salvation so closely because of the significance of of its part in the community. But be clear on this, it's simply a symbol of our salvation, only a symbol. Like the wedding ring, it is a powerful symbol. Baptism is a reflection of a greater baptism. We are born again and the spirit moves in. We have water baptism to picture our life dedicated to Christ. And then the Bible says that we are given another baptism. This is what John said in Matthew 3, 1, referring to Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He's talking about Jesus. And he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when we're baptized in water, it's a picture of a greater baptism of our spirit. All right? So if you're investigating the Christian life, I'm glad that you're here today. Because if you ever choose to become a follower of Christ, we want you to follow in baptism because it tells the word you are forgiven, you're learning to die to yourself and you understand that you're called to live a new way of living and that you're never gonna be alone because you have a family called the body of Christ with you. And baptism is a powerful picture of your understanding of that. There was a guy, a drunk stumbled into a baptismal service down by the river and he walks down to the preacher and the minister says, "Uh, are you ready? You ready to find Jesus? The guy says, yeah. Are you ready to find Jesus? Yeah. So the drunk looks back and says, yes, what do I need to do? And he says, all right. The minister takes him and he dunks him. He comes up and says, did you find Jesus? I don't know. Takes him down. Did you find Jesus? I don't know. Takes him down. Did you find Jesus? I don't know. He well, this guy is really, really resisting. Takes him down. Did you find Jesus? The drunk friend goes, like, I don't know if he's down there. <laughs> Are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> this morning, we're not looking to the water to save us and we're not looking to the water to find Jesus. It's found through a confession of his lordship and the understanding of the cross and the resurrection. But if you have said yes to Christ, I want to encourage you to follow in baptism. August 11, we have a very special event. Um, So the last question is this, why would you not be baptized? Why would you not? If you bow the knee to Christ, why would you not be baptized? Some of you have been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Well, you don't have to anymore. August 11, we're gonna have a baptism bash. We've rented out a pool. Um, We've rented out Bradfield pool, uh, just a few blocks up the road, it's very close. And we're gonna have the whole pool to ourselves. And we're gonna start off, we're gonna have a celebration today. We're gonna start off with some field games, maybe play some kickball or some volleyball out in the field. We're gonna have a great time. That part's gonna be led up by our youth ministry. And then we're gonna head into the pool and we're going to have food. We're going to ask people to bring food. We're going to have uh, sign-ups and stuff the week before. Everybody bring foods and sides. We're just going to have a, a good time. And we're going to, we have the pool for two hours. That's as long as we can have it. And we're going to go swimming, and then we're going to take a break in the middle. We're going to have everybody get out, and all of you that want to be baptized, we're going to ask you to step forward, and we're going to celebrate your declaration of faith. So some of you young people that went to camp this last week and made that decision, it's time. This is, your, this is your moment to tell the world what you believe. And some of you that have been a Christian for a while and you've never been baptized, this is the time to follow through and obey Jesus in this area. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I pray that you'll be obedient in this and uh, watch God do something dynamic in you.